What's up, everybody? Welcome to Red Rocks Young Adults. I'm not going to take a sip of water right before I give an introduction this time. Guys, there's like 200 to 500 cool, amazing things that you can do in Denver on a Thursday night. But tonight, you have chosen the coolest of all the things. So pat your neighbor, pat your neighbor on the back and say, congratulations, you made it to church. You're here. You're doing awesome because you're here. Check out the preacher guy with his salmon-colored t-shirt. He looks good. Only real men wear shirts that are pink or shades of pink. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the encouragement. I just feel like we need to be encouraged and, like, built up in here tonight, to walk out of here encouraged. I don't know what it is. I don't know how your week has been. Maybe it's been awesome, but maybe it hasn't been. And uh, maybe you're walking in here and you feel like, you could not be more distant from God. I promise you, God is right next to you. If you know Jesus, God lives inside of you. Maybe you're walking in here and you feel like he's mad at you or frustrated on you or frustrated about like at you or about to give up on you. He's not, okay, because he's that good. He's the one who saves you. We're not the ones who save ourselves. Maybe you walk in here and you just feel unworthy, like lightning's going to strike you if you even set foot inside of a church building, but it's not. You are worthy to be in here because with Jesus, you are a son. You are a daughter of the God of the universe, and that's how being a child works. You're not a child by your worth. You're a child by your birth. It's just science, and because of that, you are worthy to be in here, okay, because God is the one who saves us, not us, and he is good at doing that, and he is even better at keeping us saved. Even though we remain far from perfect, once we become Christians, all right? He's the one who saves. He's the one who calls us. He is the one who chooses us. He's the one who gifts us. He's the one who began that good work in you, and he's going to be faithful to carry that work onto completion. And I think the challenge as a Christian is just trying to figure out how to actually believe and receive news that good because it really is that good. And when it comes to experiencing God's promises, he's not the limiting factor. It's our belief and our ability to receive those gifts and those promises. We are the limiting factors here. Your God really, really is that good, which is why we can stand up here on stage and down in those chairs week in and week out and with all the vulnerability and authenticity in the world say, hey, welcome to the club because we are just a bunch of messed up, imperfect people just doing our best to pursue a God who really is this perfect, to pursue a God who really is this awesome. And so I don't know what kind of week you've had, but maybe you just needed that reminder tonight. And so welcome to Red Rocks, young adults. You're here on a good night because we are kicking off a brand new teaching series called Supernatural, Signs, Miracles, and Wonders. Any, uh, anybody in here ever seen Stranger Things? Yeah, let me hear it, Stranger Things. I've never seen it, so I have nothing to say. <laughs> but I've been told I should watch it, so I might, in honor of the new Supernatural teaching series. But in this series, there's like a real curiosity about the supernatural right now in our culture. I don't know if you've noticed that, so that's why we decided to do this series. And in this series, we're going to talk about God and his creation and science and logic and reason and also miracles and wonders and signs and, and how all of those things can kind of fit and work together. And tonight, on night one, I just simply want to try to answer this question right here, and here it is. How do you make sense of the supernatural in a natural world, right? In a natural world, in a world 
with everything that you can see and smell and taste and hear and touch and study via science, right, the natural world? How do you make sense? Like, how does the natural world point to the supernatural? Is there evidence of the supernatural in the natural world? It's kind of the gist of where we're going tonight. Our text that we're going to be in is just two verses out of Romans chapter 1. Verses 19 and 20, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go there. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the Romans, but I know God, that he was inspired by God to write it, and I know God was planning on us, planning on us reading Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20 at Young Adults tonight. So here we go, starting in 19. What may be known to them, I'm sorry, what may be known about God is plain to them. When he says them, he just simply means everybody. The existence of God, what is known about God is plain to everybody because God has made it plain to everybody. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature, so the supernatural, since the creation of the world, the supernatural, in other words, things that are attributed to some force that is beyond science and natural laws. Since the creation of the world, the supernatural has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. In other words, God is saying that the natural world is full of clues and evidence that points to the supernatural world. So that what? So that people, everybody, is without excuse. And so tonight is for anybody in this room who has ever had doubts about the existence of God. My hand's up on that. I pray that tonight your faith would be increased. Tonight is for anybody in here who doesn't believe in God. I'm glad that you're here. You are welcome here. And tonight, at the very least, I pray that this would just make you curious, if nothing else. And tonight is for anybody in the room who, who asks the tough questions about God. I do that too. I think you should, by the way. Or for anybody in here who has friends who asks the tough questions. I pray that tonight would give you would, would would challenge you and inspire you to continue asking those tough questions because God's not afraid of the questions that you have about him. And I pray that tonight would also maybe add a few tools to your tool belt as a Christian who has to answer questions for their friends. And so if you're taking notes tonight, we're going to simply title this message, The Evidence is All Around. The Evidence is All Around. So God, I pray that tonight would increase people's faith. God, I thank you that your ways are higher than our ways, that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that we worship a God that we cannot exaggerate or all the times explain, and that that's a good thing. I pray, God, that our wonder and our awe would increase in this room tonight. God, I pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, so vulnerable confession right up front, story time. I'm a bit of a science nerd. I hope that doesn't make you think any differently of me. Where's my mind's engineers at? Anybody in the house? Okay, brothers and sisters, I'm not alone. In college, I studied 
biochemistry, and when I say I studied biochemistry, I've actually not applied a single thing of what I've learned to my real life since graduating college because my senior year, God decided to ruin all of my plans and call me into ministry, and he ruined all of my plans in the best way. And so I tell people I studied biochemistry, that usually impresses people, and I just let it impress them even though deep down I know I remember absolutely nothing from the four years that I studied it. I could not tell you pretty much anything about it. And just because you study something doesn't mean you're good at the thing that you're studying, okay? And so I know deep down where I rank on the, the ranking, the poll of academia, I know where I rank on that thing, okay? But I just let people think that biochemistry sounds like a cool degree to have. And so I love science though. That's why I did it, even though I wasn't very good at it. I fell in love with science my junior year of high school when for some reason I decided to sign up for AP chemistry and I show up for the first day of AP chemistry and my teacher a guy by the name of Mr. Ryan still to this day one of the coolest guys I have ever met okay just a BA in every way I don't know if I can say that in church but I just did <laughs> coolest guy awesome funny just like prodigy like will hunting-esque genius type guy kind of like bruce wayne and meeting mr ryan i'm like okay i'm in i'm sold you like science man i'm liking science too so let's do this i want to be just like you mr ryan and one day about halfway through junior year of high school we had a free day and usually in class when you have a free day you do something normal like watch a movie but if you're in ap chemistry you talk about nuclear physics and atomic physics and you get really nerdy with chemistry things that you can't understand and get kind of blown away by how awesome the universe is and everything like that and I'll never forget we show up for this free day and Mr. Ryan he's just excited he's like giddy about something because he's got his like blank chalkboard and he pulls out of his back pocket like his new fresh piece of chalk that he probably just got and Mr. Ryan I kid like his intention is pretty much just to to blow all of our minds in regards to science and atomic physics for the next 45 minutes. He wants to give us the same passion for science and chemistry that he has, right? And so he turns around to his blank chalkboard, and like, I'm trying to remember, and like, by the way, you don't have to take notes on this. Anything I say for the next 30 seconds, you will never apply for the rest of your life. Just like all of the math classes and science classes that you've ever taken in your entire life, unless you're an engineer. But, but stay in school. It's good. Stay in school. So Mr. Ryan pulls out his piece of chalk and, and for like the next four, like he starts like basics and then it just gets crazy. He's like, okay, so there's an atom and then there's the nucleus and in the nucleus there's protons and there's neutrons and those protons and neutrons are made up of quarks and gluons and that can be explained via string theory and yada, yada, yada. And then out there beyond the nucleus, there's these electrons orbiting it and we don't really know where those electrons are. All we can kind of do is guess in between. Like if you had the protons and the neutrons in the nucleus right here, the size of a tennis ball in your hand, then the, the electrons would be orbiting somewhere like five to ten miles away around that nucleus. And in between the, the nucleus and those electrons is nothing but empty space. And all of matter is made up of atoms, including you, including the chair that you're sitting in in this whole building, which means that most of you and most of the chair that you're sitting on right now is 99.9999999% empty space. And if we could somehow just eliminate all of that empty space, 
space and get just a really dense piece of matter. What you'd have is a neutron star. And then once again, if you had a neutron star the size of a tennis ball in your hands, it would weigh more than the city of Denver. And it would be so hot that people in New York City would die because it's so hot. And that was just like the first minute. And I'm not really following any of this, but everybody else who's like understanding it is just kind of like, oh, this is so awesome. We are such losers. But that's okay because one day everybody's going to be working for us. We come out on top in the end. And that's true. If that's you, that's true. And then for 44 more minutes, he just keeps going. And I don't remember what he said. All I knew is I was like, this is, this is absolutely insane. And then at the very end of it, he does like a chalk drop. You know what I mean? And like an old school preacher pulls like a handkerchief out of his pocket and wipes the sweat off of his brow, leans up against the chalkboard, crosses his arms, and I'll never forget with a smile on his face as a public school science teacher says this, how anybody could see all of this and think it was an accident blows my mind. He smiled, and then he was like, and that's all I have to say about that. Class dismissed, right? Like he did like the magician's smoke bomb, like disappearance, <laughs> right? He didn't really. I hoped he did. We're all just left there like, that dude is a genius. Ben Affleck from Goodwill Hunting, that boy is wicked smart, wicked smart. That's, never mind. you never seen that. I thought right before I did that, should I do it? Should I not? But I always just choose to for some reason. <laughs> And from that afternoon on, I went from thinking that science and reason and logic was in battle against the existence of God to getting a whole new, much less ignorant perspective where I could see, wait, 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 no, science is simply just us trying to figure out how God already designed the universe to work. Science is just us trying to catch up with God. I feel like God's just looking down at like scientists and all of and just loving like, oh, I love you guys. You're, oh, you're so close. You're going to figure it out. Yes, you got it. Oh, you built a Hubble telescope big enough to check out this galaxy. You see this? Okay, wait till you build a telescope powerful enough to see everything else I got up here for you, right? We're just trying to catch up with God, and I think he loves it. Here's an awesome quote by a guy named Robert Jastrow. Robert Jastrow is not a pastor. He is a scientist who works for NASA, and here's what he says. For the scientist who has lived by faith in his power of reason, in other words, for the scientist who only ever looks at the natural world in front of him that scientist for him the story ends like a bad dream he has scaled the mountains of ignorance he is about to conquer the highest peak and as he pulls himself over the final rock he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries <laughs> romans 120 once again for since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, the natural, clearly seen, in the, in the, the supernatural, I'm sorry, clearly seen in the natural. The evidence is all around, being understood from everything that God has made. And so the natural is evidence for the supernatural. The study of things that we can see, the study of the natural, the study of creation points to 
a creator. Creation means that there's a creator. And the evidence is all around us to the point. And, 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 and let me just say this up front. I, I'm about to make some apologetic arguments, and I'll explain what that is in a second. I didn't come up with this stuff. I believe God put some human beings on this planet throughout the centuries now and before us who are just brilliant and who he put down here just to be thinkers and think up stuff and think up arguments that make sense and then write books so that the rest of us can learn from it. Okay, so that's what I've done with this message, and I am in debt to, to three guys mainly, C.S. Lewis, um, okay, <laughs> Nerds, cheering for C.S. Lewis. Hey, I'm with you. Tim Keller and William Lane Craig. If you don't know who he is, you will after tonight. And so I challenge you, just if you're feeling nerdy tonight, Google those names, read some blogs, watch some YouTube videos. You'll, you'll have hours of fun nerding out with that. But I'm in debt to those guys for this message and um, basically, Tim Keller, one thing, if you're curious about all this stuff and you ask the tough questions, just really quick, he has a book called The Reason for God. The Reason for God. You should go to Barnes & Noble or go on Amazon and buy The Reason for God because basically the thesis behind that book is he's, he's not taking a faith based look at God and creation. He's taking a reason and logical look at it. And his claim, basically his thesis, is that reasonably and logically, it takes more faith not to believe in God than it does to believe in God. And I'm going to follow up with that tonight. And so really quick, here's just, I know there's a hundred different tough questions that we ask as skeptics, that we ask as, as people who sometimes doubt the God that we come in here to worship when we can't always feel him or we feel like he doesn't care about the things that are going on in our lives? There's a million questions we ask. I have 35 minutes, so I'm gonna try to answer two of those questions, okay? But the main thing I kind of want you to take away from tonight is that if you ask those questions, there are better answers out there to your questions than just have more faith, slugger. Stop doubting, champ. Just be a good church-going Christian and believe. There's better answers to your questions out there than that. And I want to point you in that direction because I believe with all my heart, based on reason and logic, that it takes way more faith not to believe in a divine creator than it does to believe in one. And so, two questions, really quick, apologetics. Basically what it is is, Creating reasonable arguments for the existence of the divine. Creating reasonable arguments for the existence of God. And in my opinion, apologetics not done well is when people just try to confuse other people with big and smart sounding words so that they shut up with their questions. But apologetics done well, especially right now in our culture in 2017, is it, apologetics should bridge the gap between Christianity and culture by honestly answering tough questions via grace and via truth. And so I'm going to try my best to do that tonight with two questions. Here's the first question for the night. This is going to sound super philosophical, but just think about it for a second. Why is there something rather than nothing? Why is there something rather than nothing? Like, why is there a universe? Why are you here? Why am I here? Why am I the way I am? Why are there animals? What's the point in all of this? Like, right, what, why is there something 
rather than nothing. Because here's the thing, and, and follow me on this. Everything that exists needs an explanation for its existence. You could say it this way. Everything that exists needs a cause, something that caused that thing to exist in the first place. And so you exist, and the cause of you existing is your mom and dad feeling frisky 18 to 28 years ago. <laughs> That's the cause of you existing. Your car exists because there were some engineers in a factory that built your car. But what about the universe? What caused the universe? This is a question that has stumped the smartest people in the world for centuries. What caused the universe? See, scientifically, scientifically now, you cannot say that something can come from nothing. You can't scientifically claim that something can come from nothing. You're better off believing in magic than you are in that because at least with magic, like with a magician pulling a rabbit out of a hat, and the rabbit is something coming from nothing, at least in that scenario, you have a magician and you have a hat, but with the, with, the, with the universe just exploding onto the scene out of nothing, you literally have something coming from absolutely nothing, and scientifically, you can't say something can come from nothing. A long time ago, there was this argument, follow me here, called the Kalam Cosmological Argument. I know it sounds really smart, but recently that argument has been made popular by that guy, William Lane Craig. He's a Christian apologist. He's a defender for the Christian faith. He has been said to have put the fear of God into the big name atheists that he debates. He is awesome. This is William Lane Craig, and he took the Kalam cosmological argument tweaked a few things, and has something called the contingency argument, okay? And here's what that is. Follow me. This is going to make sense, I promise you, if you follow me here. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. We already established that. Whatever exists has something else that caused it to exist. The universe exists. Therefore, the universe has a cause, and whatever that cause is, whatever being, whatever thing that cause is, must be outside of the universe, must be separate from the universe. So atheist, atheist uh, Bertrand Russell, a long time ago, he said this, this quote right here, no, the universe is just there, and that's all. The universe is just there and that's all. But he doesn't have the luxury of knowing a lot of the scientific things that we, now know, that we know now because ever since he said that, that has been proven incorrect a lot of different times by a few different things. Keep following me. Here's the one thing, the one main thing that has proven that incorrect. It's that the universe is expanding. Right now, the universe is expanding out in every single direction. And so here's a balloon. This is going to represent the universe it's expanding out in every single direction at the speed of light, and it always has been, okay? And so every galaxy, every star, our planet, somewhere in this universe that is expanding out in every single direction. But if that's true, then let's press pause on the little timeline for the universe for a second, and let's go in reverse. Let's rewind this thing again to back when the universe was a little smaller and a little smaller a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, 
I'm just making, these are hypothetical numbers. I don't know, a million years ago, okay? Back and back and back to when it was smaller than it is now. By definition, the universe, once upon a time, started from nothing. Now, I'm not making a claim for new earth or old earth or trying to prove or disprove evolution. I don't know the answers to those questions. I think the smartest Christians, atheists, and scientists in the entire world will argue about the answers to those questions until one day when Jesus comes back and then we all just find out. And at that point, I don't think anybody's going to care because everybody's just going to be so pumped that Jesus Christ (laughs) is back. And so, (laughs) all I'm saying is that the universe started. And if once upon a time the universe started, then something outside of the universe had to have started it. So now atheists and scientists can't hide behind the false theory that the universe has always existed because it's now been proven that the universe must have a beginning. And if that's true, and something can't come from nothing, and everything that exists must have a cause for its existence, then what is the universe's cause? What is the something that was around before the universe? Because it can't be matter, because that matter would have to have a cause. Whatever created the universe created time and space and matter, and by definition, that thing would have to be outside of that. It would have to be timeless, and it would have to be spaceless. And if something or someone is timeless and spaceless, then by definition, that something or someone would be never changing and would stay the same through the ages. And William Lane Craig says this, you have to say it was God. And then he gets a little sassy here. If you don't like that word, then you have to call it the extremely powerful, uncaused, necessarily existing, non-contingent, non-physical, immaterial, eternal being who created the entire universe and everything in it. Or, or you can call it God. And so once again, when it comes to this argument, okay, this argument, I know who I am. I'm not getting outside the bound. I'm not, I'm not doing Christianity and its apologetics a disservice here. When it comes to this argument, reasonably, not faith-based, reasonably, it takes more faith not to believe in this divine creator than it does to believe in this divine creator. So that's the first one, the contingency argument. Why is there something rather than nothing? The second question this comes from the moral argument. The more, and you can read more about this in Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Um, this is the objective morality argument, okay? The objective morality argument. And basically, it asks this question right here. Can you be good without God? Can you be good or can you be bad without God? So now, an atheist can help a little old lady across the street or tip well at a restaurant or get like a a kitten out of a tree. And so you can do good things without believing in God, but that's not the question. Can good and evil exist if there is no such thing as God? And the short, very pretty foolproof answer to that question is, is no. No, you can't. If God does not exist, objective moral values also do not exist. There is no right or wrong unless there is a God who has established that right 
in that wrong. And so I'm going to break it down. I'll give you an example. Like, everybody in the world who is mentally healthy, Christians, atheists, everybody on every continent would all agree that murder is evil, that murder is bad, that murder is something that we should not do. And so let me ask you this, why? Is that just your opinion? And you'd say, well, no, that's a fact. Okay, why is that a fact? Well, it's just a moral. Okay, where do morals come from? Like, what is that moral attached to out there? Because there's some, there's like, there's this some kind of invisible moral standard out there that everybody just seems to know about. Like, you, like people did not get together in some room and discuss like, is murder bad or is it good? Okay, we ruled that it's bad, so teach everybody that. Like everybody, nobody has to be taught that murder is evil. Okay, there's some kind of invisible moral standard out there that everybody is just born into where we know things like murder is evil, rape is evil, stealing is not something that you should do. And on the flip side of that, helping people who need help is good and giving is good, right? And telling the truth, those things are good. So these things are good and these things are bad. Says who? Says everybody for some reason, but why? Why does everybody from like every religion who is mentally healthy on every continent, in every nation, all agree on that? C.S. Lewis has a quote. Human beings all over the earth have this curious idea that they ought to behave in a certain way. And they cannot really get rid of it. Where does it come from? This moral code that we follow. Once again, just like the universe, it comes from something outside of us. Once again, the natural points to the supernatural. Something or someone whose ways are higher than our ways and whose thoughts are higher than ours. See, without God, without God, there is no good and there is no evil and everything is permissible and you should be able to just do whatever you want whenever you want to do it. But what's the truth about our world? You can't do whatever you want to do just because you want to do it. Everything is not permissible. If you don't believe me, drive home from church tonight at 95 miles an hour, naked in your driver's seat with a beer in your hands. Get pulled over. You know where you're going to go? Jail. And you probably should. And everybody in the world would agree, yeah, you should go to jail for that, probably for a while because that's not good. But says who? Says who? Everybody knows it. There is this invisible moral code that nobody needs to be taught, that everybody just kind of intrinsically knows. Everybody does without having to be told. Why? Because if there's a moral code, or there is a moral code, meaning that there must be a being above and beyond that moral code who designed it and created it and then somehow let us know about it. I love how the Bible just straight up backs this up too. Romans 2.15. They, as in everybody, demonstrates that God's law, the moral code, morality, they demonstrate that morality is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they are doing right. And so there's the moral argument. And so we're seeing all this evidence. The evidence is all around in the natural Pointing to something beyond the natural, pointing to the supernatural. And once again, when it comes to the moral argument, it takes more faith not to believe in God than it does to 
believe in God. And so there's the two questions for the night. I know there's a hundred more. And I want to say this, if you're in here and you ask those tough questions and you're just naturally skeptical and you're not satisfied with just simple, inadequate answers and you just need to know how things work, I just want to say, I just automatically like you. I like you because I am, I am the exact same way. Like I need to know how, how this works. I need to have answers to these questions. I just really do. And I want to tell you once again, there are answers to your questions out there that are better than just stop doubting and have more faith. There is a lot of reason and logic, you guys, that goes into believing in this God that we show up every Thursday night in this building to worship. There is a lot of reason and a lot of logic that goes into it. And so I want to encourage you, if that's you, please keep coming back. Please keep showing up. Please keep asking your questions. Just be warned that God might save you before he answers all of them. Typically, that's what he seems to do, all right? But please, please keep coming back. But this is important because, this is important because right now there is a, a really strong curiosity about the supernatural, and here's, Here's why I believe that is, is because every human being, and I'm one of them, like we all, you guys, we, we, we have to believe that there's more out there than just what we can see. We have to know that we're not alone. We have to know that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. We just, as human beings, we have to know that. Human beings are desperate to know that they are not alone. And, and here's the thing right now. Generation Z, and Ben, you guys can come back up to the stage. Generation Z is the generation following millennials, okay? And so, and they are known as the very first post-Christian generation. Here's what that means. With millennials, we were born into a Christian world, for the most part, okay? So if you're like me, you spent high school and college kind of running away from God and running away from Christianity, all the while knowing like one day, maybe when I'm older and sin is no longer fun, I'll fess up to this God that I know is real and I'll come back to him. But at least we're running away from something. For Generation Z, the first post-Christian world generation, they have no memory of God or a church service or a Sunday school class or, or somebody telling them about Jesus. They have no memory of the gospel that they're running away from. They're just born into a world that is, by and large, done with God and done with Christianity. And so here's what's happening. And it's happening to every human being everywhere, but it's just very easily seen in Generation Z, there's two things. Number one, a profound spiritual emptiness. A profound spiritual void. And number two, a very curious, a very strong curiosity with the supernatural. But you can translate that and say, a void like every human being is born with that only God can fill and a desire to fill it with something, to want to believe that something is out there, something beyond this world, that they're not alone, that there's, there's, some, there's hope somewhere, that this life, it can't just be this life. Every human being needs hope. 
Like your lungs need oxygen. Your spirit needs to know that there's hope, that, there, that something goes on beyond this world. Because Generation Z, along with a lot of people who don't know Jesus, are just left to face the, the darkness of a broken, broken world without the gospel narrative to give it context, to know that there is a Savior who is doing something about it right now. And so they're, they're, they're very curious about the supernatural, but, but what we're seeing is people like, like entering into like the wrong part of the supernatural world. I promise you, it's very real. If God is real, then so is the enemy, the light part of the supernatural world and the dark part of the supernatural world. And I've just been, I've been amazed at the stories I've been hearing recently of how many, how many people, especially young people, are like becoming like Wiccans and ghost chasers. And don't laugh at that, please, because that's real. Like people who are like curious in UFOs and, and they're, they're curious about the supernatural. We're in here tonight because we know Jesus Christ is the avenue to God. We know the supernatural is more real than we ever could see in the natural world right now. One day we'll find out for sure, but the supernatural is real, man. It is real. God is real. Miracles and wonders and signs are real, and Jess is going to talk about that next week. The Holy Spirit, angels, demons are real. I'm going to talk about that two weeks from now. God, please help both of us talk about those things well. But that's curious. Like, when you, like you can enter into the supernatural world in the wrong way. I've seen it. It's not that prevalent in the United States but if you go to like a third world country like Haiti, where the supernatural is just all over the place because of things like voodoo and things like, you know, demonic attacks and things like oppression and things that like you just see plainly every single day. Like for instance, there's no such thing as, as atheism in Haiti. There's no atheists there. I've been there twice in the last few years. I explained atheism to, some, to a Haitian and he just kind of laughed like, what? Like, are you serious? Like, we see the supernatural every day, and the supernatural is evidence that God is real. But it, I'm just like, yeah, but it's a lot tamer. It's a lot more behind the curtain in the United States of America. But there's a curiosity, and, and we just, oh, I like, I want to talk about this. We want to talk about this as a staff because we need to give people a direction when it comes to entering into this stuff because you were made to experience the supernatural. That's why Generation Z is stepping into it because they know they were made to experience it. Experience it. They're just stepping into the wrong, the wrong places, the dark parts of it. And that leads to, like, I've seen it, just weird stuff in your life, weird dreams, oppression, depression, Something like things haunting you, things warring against you. The spiritual world is real. It's more real than the natural world. One day we're going to find out just how real it is. It's in here right now. But the light part, the spirit of God is in this place right now. And so I had like three different endings for this sermon. And I didn't know which one I was going to choose, so I might just flip that over and just talk but people are hungry for more you guys hungry for the supernatural hungry for more hungry to know that they're not alone 
hungry for a relationship with a God who knows them back. And asking the tough questions is good. Keep doing that. I encourage you and challenge you to keep doing that. God can, hand, God can handle your difficult and tough questions. But right above where your questions stop is where faith takes over and wonder sets in and then worship begins. Right beyond that. Right beyond that. Donald Miller has a quote that says, I'm comforted to know that if there really is a God, he would have to be so much bigger, so much outside of me, that I would not be able to understand the totality and complexity of him any more than the pancake I made for breakfast this morning understands the totality and the complexity of me. We can know God, but his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, as high as the heavens are above the earth. He is a supernatural God. We can see the natural. We can see the seen. We can see the natural laws that govern the natural world that we live in. But God is a supernatural God who is free to, to defy those natural laws anytime he wants to and part the Red Sea anytime he wants to and stop the flow of the Jordan River anytime he wants to and literally stop the rotation of the earth so that the sun stands still in the sky for 24 hours anytime he wants to and put Jonah in the belly of a whale for three days and have him survive just because he wants to and then come put on flesh and bone in the form of Jesus Christ and walk on water just because he wants to and heal lepers and give sight to the blind just because he wants to and tell storms what to do just because he wants to and multiply fish and bread just because he wants to and conquer the grave and walk out of the tomb that he borrowed for three days just because he wants to. We worship a supernatural God. And the evidence for it is all over the natural. And I want to point people in the direction of Jesus because you can get caught up in the supernatural in the wrong ways. And that's a whole other series in itself. But Jesus is everything. Jesus plus nothing equals absolutely everything. And the evidence is all around. I see God everywhere in the natural world. I see the supernatural everywhere in the natural world. I see God when I'm up in the Rocky Mountains. I see God when I'm rafting down a river with rapids that I'm at the complete mercy of. I see God when I'm next to the ocean. I see God when I'm marrying two people and I'm standing up at that altar trying to comprehend this invisible force called love that so powerfully pulls two people together in a way that I can't explain or understand. I see God when mercy is shown. I see God when justice is poured out. I see God when this many young adults leave on a Thursday night different than how they came in. I see God when this many young adults just continue to come back week after week to worship and learn about a God that they can't even see. To me, that's evidence that Jesus Christ is back from the dead and anything must be possible because this is happening in Denver on a Thursday night. The evidence is all around. So would you guys stand up? Would you guys stand up? Because we're about to sing to this supernatural God. But really quick, I can't get off of the stage until I ask this question. If you're in here tonight and, and you came in here maybe skeptical about God, but curious at the same time about the supernatural, I just want to tell, like, there is so much reason and logic behind the existence of this God. There's even more apologetic evidence behind the existence of Jesus Christ and 500 eyewitnesses who hung out with him the day after 
He walked out of his tomb four days after he was beaten for 20 hours and killed on a cross. People hung out with him. Eyewitnesses. This is real. We're not just in here crossing our fingers, just praying that God and Jesus are real so that one day we can go to heaven like this is some kind of crutch while we're alive. This is real. Like I wish I could just take what's in my head and somehow put it into yours. How, like I just, I know that there's a God and I know that he calls you by name and I know that he loves you. I know that he's gifted you and I know that he's given you dreams and that he has plans for your future. I just, I know it. I know that this is real. And I accepted Jesus one night, my junior year of college, during a worship song when I just raised my hand because I was like, I believe this is real. I've known it my whole life and it's just about time that I said it. It's just about time that I let people know. It's just about time that I stopped with the old because the old has not been working and I try stepping into this new that I know that Jesus must have for me and just try him. And so if you're in here tonight and you want to know God, if you're in here tonight and you want to accept Jesus Christ into your heart, I just want to ask you right now, very boldly, just raise your hands. Just raise your hand right now so that I can say a prayer for you. This is real. Raise your hand right now, just really boldly. Awesome. 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 saw a few I can't see everything because the Holy Spirit as you can see is in the building right now we're about to sing we're about to give thanks to this God who has revealed himself to us in the things that we can see God has given us evidence in the natural to point to his existence to let us know hey you can't always see me you can't always see me at work in your life life happens and this world is not as it should be and sometimes you're hurt and sometimes you wonder if I'm even there. But thank God we have a God who lets us know, sometimes in small ways, sometimes in big ways. But tonight I believe during worship with all my heart, he wants to let you know that he is here. If you've been hurting, if this has been the week from hell for you, I've been praying all week that God would meet you during worship tonight in a supernatural way that we can't explain. And so God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for my friends in this room who just accepted your son into their hearts and are a part of this family. God, heaven is getting more crowded and the glory is yours for that, Jesus. I thank you for this curiosity of the supernatural. I pray you would lead people to the right avenues to step into it, to step in to the more that is out there. I pray for anybody in this room who is a skeptic and needs a reminder that you're real. I pray you challenge him to keep coming back and keep asking harder questions, God, because I know you're big enough and I know that you can handle it. So Jesus, we love you. The evidence is all around that the spirit of the Lord is in this place, God, and we believe that. That's why we sing these songs that the kingdom of heaven is not then, it's not there, it is here and it is now and tonight we're going to sing like it is true. Tonight we are going to sing like heaven has come to Denver for the next 20 minutes in this building and all for your glory and we pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and everybody said, Amen.